0: I have not. Uh, Welcome back uh, uh, to segue right into the new episode from our last one. You have to listen to them in sequence, so you'll never figure out what we're talking about. (laughs) Wait a minute. Uh, (laughs) We were were mentioning that the the last couple of decades gave rise to uh, uh, enormous diversity of car (coughs) special interest groups from from the JDM guys to the the new generation of muscle cars, four-wheel drives, off-roads. Everything, uh, everything you can think of, really. But one thing that we were particularly uh, reminiscent of was the technological dead ends, the the gimmicky crap that you just saw I everywhere. Think, I think technological is a
1: lofty word to describe You're right. these. Maybe
0: that is giving it too much credit. These gifts from the manufacturers, not manufacturers, <laughs> but aftermarket scene. <laughs> you mean snake oil salesmen, basically yes. swindlers. <laughs> Well, we were starting off with uh, something that I remember from uh, uh, the back pages of any uh, uh, overstuffed uh, sports car magazine from the 90s with a girl in as little clothing as they could get her a- get away with on the front cover. Uh, the electric supercharger that was really nothing more than a small electric motor and a fan inside of a tube. See, I don't even remember
1: having a, a, any kind of a motor. It was just a tube you spliced into your in, your intake line. Really? It was just a little, like, take a tin can, cut off both ends. <laughs> it's that with a little propeller in the middle of it. That's all it was. I think they still make them. I think, like, you go, like, eBay. It, it's, like, cheap. <laughs> of course. Or Amazon. I don't know. I think you can still get them. But, yeah. Uh, and it was supposed to get... It was supposed to, like give this, to- I still remember, it was always a tornado effect. <laughs> of
0: course it was. <laughs> it was always a tornado effect.
1: And they always use the analogy of, well, if you take a an empty soda bottle, fill it with water, and you turn it upside down, and it just glows, globe, gloves, But if you get it to spin, <laughs> it just pours right out. <laughs> but yeah, and it did nothing. Well, for- we
0: all know that, that uh, the internal combustion engine works just like a soda bottle being turned upside down. So... Uh, the you know the, that's that's of course true to <laughs> that rings true to me, uh, but we we were mentioning the uh, the pr- proliferation of uh, clear taillights on cars that had no business having clear taillights. I see you're uh, gonna you're gonna upset a lot of people because they, they, they like clear. There might be know? people out there that like their yes. old yellowed lenses from the cheap clear eBay taillights that they installed on there. <laughs> Older sister's car that was given to them 20 years ago. Yeah. Of course, I'm joking. Of course, I'm joking. We were just talking. I was talking more about the cheap stuff. You know, if you like, if you like this, the the look of whatever on your car. Hey, that's great. Just you know, don't cheap out. Don't half-ass it. <laughs> Use uh, your whole. Ass. We're talking. To, we're talking to the guys that that put the giant wing on the back of their otherwise totally stock Civics. Front wheel drive car. Front wheel drive cars back in the day uh, when all it did was block your rearview mirror. Uh, slow you down. Slow you down. Yeah, we're we're talking about the guys that uh, spent every bit of their seventy five dollars on lowering springs, uh, only to, well, rip bumpers off. I don't know how many Cavaliers I saw on the side of the road, <laughs> turtle up on a speed bump, turtle up, highest center themselves. It's uh, yeah, it was quite a scene back in the day, and then of course uh, there are remnants of that still around. There are the uh, aluminum. "Quote unquote pedal kits, where you can make it look like you have very expensive pedals in your car."
1: Yeah, there's.
0: If you want to spend
1: as little money as possible, there is no shortage of crap to buy. (laughs) If anything, it's probably even worse now because of Amazon. Yeah, you're probably right.
0: You're probably right. I haven't even. I haven't even (laughs) dredged through the eBay auto accessories pages in a Mm. while. Yeah, because when we were kids,
1: or not kids, just even in high school,
0: you know, in the late '90s.
1: Yeah, you had the internet, but it it wasn't the way it is now. Like you didn't have all these, you know, aftermarket websites where you can buy anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was still magazines and you know, or you, you had cataloging. to go to, or, yeah, you had to go to a shop sure. and they could go from there catalogs and stuff.
0: So what was your first like rem- what was your first memory now that the internet is old enough for people just to say, remember that back in the day of the internet? First Place online where you could reliably get car parts. Hmm. I mean, beyond stuff like sun visors and car covers and things like that, where you could actually order. Because there was it was a long time before I remember being able to get you know like a an air conditioning compressor. Yeah. Without having to go to Advance or. I mean, honestly, I. See, Name an auto parts store. I didn't tinker
1: on my cars a whole hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, like if something wasn't working, I brought it to mechanic. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, it, it's not until, like I said, relatively recently um, that I started tinkering. And I still, uh, my daily driver, it, it needs to work every day. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mess around with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, unless it's something stupid and simple, I just, I bring it to the dealership, Fix it, make it work properly. Yeah, you know, um, so it, it's not like I was always scouring looking for parts and doing stuff. I mean, I, I would switch a radio out and speakers, and, and mm-hmm. that was the extent of my. And
0: and that was sure. only on my sure.
1: my cheap crap cars. You know, now that I have nice stuff, it's pretty much
0: stopped. Well, that you know, that's that's totally understandable. It's extremely logical. I, you know, really remember when the the auto parts. You know, if you needed, if you needed, if you had a car that needed parts, you know, if you knew it was gonna, if you knew it was gonna eat parts, and, and yeah. of course that was prevalent back then. It was plenty of opportunities for cars to break. Uh, you just had to either have a big catalog with you, uh, or you had to have the you know phone number of a good parts guy. Yeah, um, yeah, that was, and I think that was that was kind of revolutionized for me uh, first, you know, with eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, and places like that, but now, of course, the, you know, the eBay was always more of the, 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 not, not to to uh, nag on eBay, but it was a scrapyard, you know. And that's why low these parts were. Yeah, that's I mean, why it's you so I mean, awesome. you
1: say you say that like it's a bad thing. No, 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 absolutely not. It's I was awesome just, for that. I was just on eBay yesterday, and I put put in um, full size Jeep. Uh, NOS parts, mm-hmm. you know, new old stock, mm-hmm. and the first thing that comes up was a uh, a Jeep horn ring, and if you don't know what that is, it is back in the day, you know, with like big luxury cars and stuff, you had the big giant three foot wide steering wheel, and inside <laughs> that, it was like anywhere from like half to like a third of the wheel, it mm-hmm. had a horn ring, and because it didn't have airbags, it just had a little center hub. Mm-hmm. And it, it, they were amazing, and Jeep made those for their, the Jeepster, the Jeep Commando, I think the Jeep Commando, mm-hmm. the wa- early wagon, like 60s, Kaiser-era Wagoneers, mm-hmm. and the J-trucks. I would love to get one of those. Mm-hmm. And it was new old stock, it was like 225 bucks. I was like, oh, eBay. God, we, I wish I had disposable income. We
0: love <laughs> you for that, we, we do. Uh, we We think eBay is awesome because again it started out as as mm. you know uh, a a repository for used parts you know you didn't have to f- just pick up an issue of hemmings and you know yeah. scrape through the back until you found somebody that you know in Wyoming that <laughs> had some pieces you needed um and that I was going to say that that along with uh you know rock auto and amazon and, and you know the those first early websites were what I really remember thinking like. Oh, it's not—it's not impossible to own an old car anymore. Yeah. You know, if you had something that—that that did need pieces, you mm-hmm. know, you had not only the parts websites but forums. You know, that's yeah. you know, that was one of the whole reasons I've never—you know, never worried about owning foreign cars when, you know, the previous generation. Where are you going to get parts for that thing? Where are yeah. you going to get parts? Who who knows about those things? Yeah, you know. No luckily, deal. yeah.
1: I mean, the first vehicle that I that I had that was worth modifying was, uh, I bought an 08 Tundra mm-hmm. in 2010, and I gave it a, a small lift and tires, you know, and a couple little odds and ends, and even that, I, I, I went to a shop, There was a local mm-hmm. custom uh, truck shop, and I went there and had it done. It looked great, had a nice, uh, put a Banks, Banks Power Monster muffler. Oh, there you go. It's like a giant mm-hmm. cherry bomb. Mop- it, it, it really is, it's like two and a half feet long, and it's probably a good, like six, it puts people to sleep, that's what they would say, <laughs> just humming down that VA going and, and just start falling asleep. <laughs> I, I love that truck. I, that is my big regret, automotively, is getting rid Get of that one. I hit 100,000 miles, and you know, I, I I owned it for like two months yeah. outright, you know, after a couple years of paying on it. And I'm like, well, I got all this money now, and I've got 100,000 miles. And I was, because of my job, I traveled a lot. I had mm-hmm. a lot of time off. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was all over the West. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I drove from Arizona to Montana to Washington State, down through California, like everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. I just throw my, gear, my camping gear in the bed, pick a direction I would go. So I'm like, oh, I should get something new and do this. And I, I missed that truck. What'd you replace it with? Uh, brand new tender. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Comparison of the two, um, I like the newer one. Okay, it, it was a uh, 2014, I think it was, or 15. Um, and it mainly it, it was, better in every way, everything you dreamed. I mean, honestly, it, it was like a refresh, it wasn't a new model, they just refreshed it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, everything was updated, but it still felt like my truck. I mean, there was so many buttons and everything you could tell that it was still just carried over. Mm -hmm. But the big difference, it had the the 5.7 V8, and my old one had the 4.6 or 4.7, whatever it Mm was. Um, So that was a monumental difference. But other than that, I mean, it drove, it felt exactly the same as my other one. Which is a good thing, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I love that truck.
0: I love how it drove, how it handled, the room in it, reliability in it. Can you comment on the legendary Toyota V8, which is taking the world by storm? Uh, yeah, you can't kill it. Can't you kill know, it, right? You know, uh, That's the, one of the things
1: with Toyota. They're a very cautious company. Mm-hmm. They don't... I'm probably going to piss people off, but they don't innovate a lot. They once they find something that works they stick with it and that's part of the reason why they're such a reliable car like they don't break because it's a 15 year old engine they worked all the, the bugs out of it and the thing it'll just run
0: forever you listeners know? what you're hearing in the background are thousands of people amassing outside our studio with pitchforks and torches because uh we have called toyota a company that no, uh, we do respect Toyota for that. And I, I love I, Toyota. Toyota is awesome. Uh, bring back Camrys with manual transmissions. We love Toyota for making cars that are still owner serviceable. Which yeah. We were talking about a couple episodes ago, and like so many people complain that the the
1: Tacoma and the Forerunner are still frame uh, body on frame. That's an awesome thing. Yeah, and I'm one of those people that are like. If you can get rid of that whole independent suspension thing
0: and go to solid axle, <laughs> you guys are kicking ass. <laughs> and the Forerunner is an extremely capable piece of equipment. In my eyes,
1: um, and I told this to my mother, um, uh, I told you she used to own uh, an FJ60 series, like mm-hmm. early, mid-80s Land Cruiser. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the thing was, it was a true Land Cruiser. It, it could do whatever the hell you wanted it to do. Um, and I just talked her into a forerunner. you know she was on the fence between a forerunner and Tacoma, and I told her I was like, "This forerunner, because I have a buddy that owns one, um, and he says the same thing: The forerunner is the American land cruiser, yeah, the real land cruiser that can go off road, it can do anything you want it to do, come back and you know take you to the grocery store, yep, you know it can do whatever the hell you want it to do and I mean, we talked about this before. American Land Cruisers, the 200 series, it, it
0: just—it's it's, a, a
1: great truck,
0: but it's an eighty-five thousand-dollar grocery getter. And I think you've uh, you've hit upon the nail, as it were, eighty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, that is more than Bandit got for running beer. Through Texarkana, Texas, back <laughs> yeah. back to Atlanta. I mean, come on, this is you know, it's it's ridiculous that it is a great luxury SUV. Yes,
1: it is not. And again, I know I know it's got a rear locker. I know it's got all this great stuff. You, who the hell? You, who the hell spends eighty five thousand dollars and then goes? slamming it down a rocky trail you know <laughs> and i'm sure there are people but they are the extreme minority i think they only sold some stupidly low number like 1800 like last year really yeah like the the rate of decline
0: it's like 80% each year or something like that it's and massive and losses every year. The SUV market takes up more and more of the total Yeah, you know market share yep. so it, it is it's crazy to think that that the Toyota Land Cruiser which was Seminal I, I could be wrong, but I believe they're talking about stop making it oh,
1: in the US i stop so. making it. They're, they're gonna stop selling it in the US. Yeah, they'll just be other like Australia yeah. I mean they they sell like Jeeps, Land Cruisers. Even the, the the 100, the 200 and the 70 series Jeeps, uh, Jeeps, Land Cruisers.
0: I mean they just they sell like crazy. And one of the things that I remember so vividly about Toyota's early four-wheel drive presence in the US was just the shellacking that it gave Dodge, Chevy, Ford because the trucks were more fuel efficient. They were reliable. Once they got the rust issues sorted out, by the mid '90s, there was no reason to not buy a Tacoma if you needed a small pickup. You know, well, I mean, an S10 looked kind of cheap by comparison. You know, the the materials inside no, was but good. In and the '90s, Toyotas were still cheap looking. They were cheap looking, but the point was that that quality was just. It was ten tenths. I mean, they really. I think really? they really did. You know, <laughs> pride themselves drive on. drive train wise and everything like that yeah yeah good engines good interior
1: very chintzy sure but that was the whole import thing in the 90s 80s and 90s they were cheap cheap yeah. fuel efficient versions toyota did has not gotten their rust issues in line <laughs> my brother-in-law well, you're from Rhode Island you have the final say on this my brother-in-law he owns i think it's a 2007 tundra listen up toyota well, they know. Just trust me, it's cost him a couple of kajillion dollars, but... Kajillions. It, it's a legit number. He, uh, <laughs> he got a new frame put on his truck. Yeah. because It just rotted out. Yeah. And it, it was... Uh, I don't know if it was a, It wasn't a warranty. It was a recall. There we go. Now that
0: you say that, I do remember getting something about my old Tacoma that the uh, plate retaining the spare tire yeah, just uh, might, might rot away. I never yeah. did anything about it because I looked under there. And yeah, it I mean, made a you, you
1: Google... Toyota rotted frame, and you get trucks literally breaking in half. It just breaks their <laughs> back, you know. And it, it's just um, uh, my New Zealand, my Kiwi buddy there. His wife, she owned a T one hundred manual, I believe, and she got a new frame on that thing. Really, you know, and the thing was like ten years old, and it got a brand new frame. Right. And you know, the body was rotten out and stuff, but it had a brand new frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the deal is with the steel that they use, but they they still having issues with it. Well,
0: I will say that that again as a as a lifelong Southerner, uh, when I was when I was uh, you don't know Russ paying paying attention, paying attention <laughs> to trucks. We we may not know Russ, but we do know what makes a good mud truck. And uh, dang if Toyota didn't make uh, almost some perfect ones. in oh, yeah. uh, Those small lightweight yeah. uh, little V sixes. There was just tons of torque. They had great gearing, uh, good little axles, and they really were like little mountain goats. Mm-hmm. If you lived in the in the Piedmont, if you lived in Appalachia. Um, they were. That's why they sold. I mean, it was. Uh, it was. You know, uh, strange early on to see these. Uh, you know, uh, died-in-the-wool country people switching mm-hmm. over to imports when uh, they they had. You know, relatives who had fought the Japanese, and really, it was. A, it was. A, it was a cultural clash yeah, yeah. for a long time. But you know, there was no denying the fact that the that Toyotas were. You know, filling some market gaps there that. It took a long time for the Ranger and the S10 uh, to catch up with, and um, I think one of the early, uh, the early real competitors I remember was was the Dodge Dakota because it was bigger. You know, it was mm-hmm. a, it was a small truck, but it was the the in between uh between S10 right? yeah. and a they 150 kind of trying yeah. to steal a march on on the. Inputs.
1: But you know, and yeah, Toyota came out with all that great stuff, and, it, and in the long run, we benefited from it because now we have, you know all these great American vehicles that are reliable and a lot better than
0: what they were. Speaking of, I've seen a, I've seen a few sh- of my uh, my new favorite small American vehicle, the Ranger, around in the wild now. I have to say I like it. I've seen some various colors, various trims out and about. It's a good-looking truck. The Ranger
1: and the, I believe it's the Colorado, to me, they look Australian. Very mm-hmm. raked back. You think windshield, so? Windshield. You know, it, I'm... It was like I'm, I'm, s- I'm sure it's an aerodynamic fuel efficiency thing. It doesn't look like an American truck. I think you're exactly an American about, trucks. is more upright. More upright, you know, more yep. air damage Yep. And it, I'm not saying it's bad. It, it, it's not my cup of tea. I'm kind of tall. I'm sure I'm smacking my head in that A pillar every time mm-hmm. I get in and out of that vehicle. If I mm-hmm. wear a hat, time I turn my head and look in the mirror, I'm sure I'm going to hit the build the hat on the A pillar. Um, it, it just. but I'm not a real small truck kind of guy. And you can't put a gun rack in the back of it, right? What the hell, you yeah. know? But I say that, and
0: I, I love Tacomas, but Tacomas got big now. Yeah, Tacomas are pretty big. They are, they are. But the Ranger is big now. The if you parked one next to a twenty, that's true. Ten, but the Tacoma has a more vertical windshield. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It is bigger inside. Um, it, we we really like we we love the new crop of of pickup trucks because they are the the pickup truck now is a true all-round vehicle and we oh, yeah. they, they're i know, mean very i would have to assume very blue few, teeth than they have
1: your average pickup owner doesn't use a pickup like a pickup exactly you know aside from the occasional you know move a buddy you know <laughs> go buy a couch something like that i mean most people that buy trucks live in cities and urban not cities but urban areas and mm-hmm. you know they're just cruising around. We still love them. We still love them. They're, they're as American as apple pie. Oh, you say that, but when I, when I hear people say, no, don't put that in the bed of my truck, you're going to get it dirty, I, I, I pull my hair out. Fair I, enough. I lose my shit.
0: Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, that is uh, grounds for capital punishment.
1: Yeah. Then people who don't like... Not that don't like to get their Jeeps dirty. I mean, everyone gets their Jeep dirty, but who immediately need to clean it. <laughs> like, as soon <laughs> as they, right. they come into the town from the trail the first thing they do is they go to a car wash. And, and I get it, like, some places like, like down here in North Carolina, um, you got red mud, uh-huh. you know, and it will stain. It's like out in Utah, it will stain, especially if you have a light colored, it will, it's rust, it will yeah. stain, I get that. But you you have time, you don't need to <laughs> clean it immediately, you know, and again, with mud, it, it'll destroy your pulleys and your belts. Sure. I get that, it needs to be cleaned, but it's the people that are, you know, you're doing a multi-day trail, Ride
0: and each morning they're wiping the dust off from the day before. It's like,
1: Dude, it's Jeep. It's gonna get dirty. Gonna Is get- it
0: still true that you can order a Jeep factory with uh, carpet with, with just rubber carpeting so you can pull them out, hose the whole thing out, or do you have to have real like insulation glued yeah, down? Yeah, it, it, really? it's full,
1: full. Yeah, uh, that's kind I, of I, I'm pretty. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that's all gone. The day of the the floor plug. So you can drain the water out. <laughs> I think that went out with the
0: CJs and stuff, and maybe, maybe YJs. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's gone. Well, one of the things that I do remember, a piece of equipment that I wish they would bring back, and I think this was available on the Mitsubishi Montero and a couple of other equally obscure '90s yes. SUVs. Which I mean, I remember they're...
1: those, but I don't know anything about it other than it's made by Mitsubishi.
0: Well, there was a this. The, the, I remember these as as clear as I remember uh, the back of my hand. Uh, they they came with these three little pods uh, on the top of the dash, and one was a little compass. Uh, again, before the days of anything electronic, uh, one was um, uh, maybe a clock or something, I think, and, and okay. then the other one was a a tilt gauge. So if you are, were, you
1: sure you're not thinking about the the length, the Toyota FJ Cruiser?
0: I remember that in the FJ. Because they
1: had, it was three pods, and yes. it was like the, the
0: yaw and the roll and uh, altimeter? Or yes, something like that. I remember that as part of the FJ equipment package, but I, I'm thinking very specifically about a non-Toyota but Japanese yeah, yeah. Uh, SUV. Um, I'd never even sat in one of those, so I wouldn't even know. But I, I just wish the, I wish the pitch gate, I wish those little, those little analog gauges would make a comeback.
1: Well, I know the new Jeep uh, JLs. Um, on the Rubicon, get your angle gauge. Yeah, you have this. Some I forget what it is. It's like off-road Plus or whatever. Uh-huh. You, you hit that, and your your infotainment center it switches over, and it gives you. Yeah, your, you said.
0: Yeah, you said. Wait, wait, wait you said infotainment. I, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm talking about a little plastic bubble with a little piece of plastic inside well, of it.
1: I, I know what you said, but it's 2020.
0: Hey, you, the new Range Rovers. You don't have, get analog crap. The new Range Rovers have cameras that look down, like through the front fender, so you can see where the front is. That's great, G-Glattier but that's something cameras. to break.
1: That's something to break. Yeah, Jeep Gladiator has, you know, uh, I think they call it a trail camera. That's going to break. Yeah, that's. And people say that it, it's fantastic. You know, you're going up over this <laughs> obstacle, and you can see in front of you, and it's like that's what you spot is for. <laughs> you, you watch your spotter. Your spotter tells you where to go. But I guess if you're out doing your own thing, I mean, there is a use for it. But, but yeah, they they do have that. It's the uh, it gives you your your pitch
0: and your roll, um, the whole the whole megilla. We do love our modern trucks on this show. We 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 oh, yeah. absolutely love them. At all. We we really do. We, I I am fairly certain there is a diesel, Gladiator in my future. I really wish that the one thing uh, that that. They don't get I, well. I should say that I wish I, I I hope that the one thing that I don't get too far away from is the good basic, you know, rock bottom, just uh, little little you know trucksters. What um, I wish, um
1: I know you do. My favorite game is to go to a car website and build a price and just.
0: I'm, I'm I'm a professional at that. <laughs> you, you can't be. I'm basically. like this close to being sponsored,
1: <laughs> but. What, what drives me crazy is you can't, the way they, they package everything together. Everything is
0: so integrated. Yeah, right, like,
1: yeah. oh, you want that color? Well, you need these mud flaps <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and this other thing. And they're completely unrelated, but there's, yeah. what I wish is they would go back to like the Victorian era of auto manufacturing where only the richest and most elite people in the world were able, could afford to drive like, <laughs> in, like, the teens, in the teens and the 20s. When you had, like, V16, you know, 35-foot-long cars and stuff, and you would you would go and you, you want this car with this engine, you know, and, and this layout, and everything was meticulous to your mm-hmm. desires. Obviously not to that extreme. It's not practical. But, like, if I want to go build a, a Jeep Wrangler, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, okay, I don't want all the luxury of... Uh, Sahara or Rubicon, this is going to be a trail rig, Mm -hmm. you know, so I want a sport, I want hand crank windows, I want cloth seats, I don't need any bells and whistles, super simple, but I want the 410 Dana 44 axles, you know, I want the deep reduction, you know, transfer case, I want all the off-road stuff in the Rubicon, you know, lockers, sway bar disconnects, I want all that stuff in my base rig, Mm -hmm. you know, but you can't. You have to get leather and you know, 900 extra pounds of, of get you know, with the program, you know, Jeep. Yeah, like it's not just Jeep. It's uh, everyone does that. But that's what I wish you could do. Knuckle
0: it's, under to our demands. Yeah, well, you just make it the way you want? You have no idea the kind of power that we will. We don't. We'll just we'll buy it anyway. We will. We absolutely. <laughs> do. Well, I was uh, like I heroin. can't remember where I was the other day, and and I uh, I. Was was just out and about, and I saw someone who was either very lost or on a, a vacation very far from home because they were driving a relatively new Toyota Hilux. And that's not a Tacoma for for uh, listeners uh, who aren't so deep into off road. It's the uh, Tacoma as the rest of the world knows it. Essentially, there are some differences, but essentially, it's the like Australian. European, yeah. Asian, sub, South Is American, the Canadian. They look um, different. There are some other differences, but yeah. Well, the the, the differences that I most uh, fervently appreciated and uh, hoped for to make a comeback on American Tacomas was the lack of a screen inside. There were two levers coming out of the floor. There was a big, giant one for gears, and, and it had numbers on the top of it. Uh, and then the other one said uh, transfer case, and I was... Uh, really encouraged to see that. Cloth seats, rubber mats. I mean, this thing was built for, had a camper shell on the back of it and plates from somewhere in Europe. Um, This was clearly built for for going a long way uh, in very bad conditions. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I went over to a dealership not long ago and looked into the Window of a new 50 grand almost Tacoma. Oh, you can surpass 50 easy. Thought to myself, you know, Yeah, I think that's strictly necessary.
1: I think a Tacoma
0: TRD Pro starts at 50. Goop.
1: I'm pretty sure. I mean, you know, yeah, no, I definitely, the rest of the world, I mean, it, it's definitely a grass is always greener. Sure. Uh, sure. It, and we're spoiled for choice in the American market. But even. You know, I've seen videos from guys from Australia talking with Americans, and they say the same thing. It's like, we drool over the the stuff you guys got over there, and and we're the same way. Like, you guys got some cool stuff down
0: there. But, yeah, I mean... Australia, get some boats and some shipping containers. Oh, man. We're going to do the same. Let's just do some trading here. If Toyota
1: would just make the 70 series Land Cruiser... Ooh, now you're talking. U.S. spec, that would be amazing. That
0: I would, I I would seriously consider buying. Contrary to what you're currently hearing, neither of one of these episodes have been sponsored by <laughs> Jeep or Toyota. You talk about what you love. <laughs> I would seriously, I
1: would have. If someone put the, a Jeep of my dreams and a, a Land Cruiser of my dreams in front of me, I'd have a hard time picking which one. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they said you can have. For free, you can have either one. That'd be a long, tough.
0: Now you're you're a, you're a, a an off road guy, as am I. Sort of of the East Coast, uh, sort of trail riding, uh, mud bogging. Uh, maybe not mud bogging, but you know, sort of rock crawling mentality. Honestly, I have
1: more experience out in the deserts of.
0: Okay, know, well, I, that's, that's what, the next thing I was going to say would be, you know, what's your opinion of the? That is very much a West Coast uh, four wheel drive subset where it's uh, long travel shocks and. Radiators mounted on roll bars and you know. Well, that's replica desert. That's, tube frame. That's desert running stuff. Mm-hmm. I've never
1: done that. Which we don't have that in the, on the East Coast. Well, yeah, not a lot deserts out here. But I mean, that looks like so much fun to do. I'd love to do that. What was your question? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was wondering if you had you know, if, given given your choice of you know rock crawling, you know low gear trail rig versus yeah. high flying. You know, wide-bodied, double-wishbone, you know, send-it rig. Yep. What, are you, what are you taking? What are you driving to work?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly, right? <It's laughs> Whatever what one you want to get. It, it is all awesome. It, it,
1: Yet yeah, they're, they're so different. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not like, well, you can get a little of... I mean, it, it, they're, they're, they're both...
0: This is awesome. And it is insane, too, because, you know, I, I, and again, I, I'm coming from, from a very. Uh, you, you may not be able to hear me back in the 70s, here, where I'm coming from, uh, when the Baja was raced with modified Broncos and K5 Blazers. and
1: They still do stuff like that. It, you know, they it, it have it was, categories that are like
0: factory stock. Exactly. Just, but, but
1: that was the limit. You know, that was all you could have. I mean, but to was, bring it back to Jeep, I'm pretty sure they just ran the, uh, uh, the Gladiator. Oh, they did? Yeah. The. Um, Mel something or other, he's the owner of uh, Evolution Off Road. He does a lot of work with Jeep. He makes some. Get good... in touch, Mel something or other. We'd yeah. love to talk to you. Oh, he makes some good stuff. Um, Evo Off Road, yeah, out in California. California, they, for all the problems they have, they have the <laughs> best car culture out there. You know? Sure. Um, but yeah, he went. He he got a, a Gladiator and. They, they built it. They couldn't do a lot with it for the class, uh-huh. but they ran it through the, the Baja. They finished the Baja. Um, they got disqualified. <laughs> they got, I think they got a little turned around and they actually went off course, mm. missed the checkpoint, uh, and then when they regained it, they, so they missed something. But
0: he said the trail they did was m- more difficult than the actual course. <laughs> I think if you go, if, you, if you're on the Baja 1000 and you go off-road, uh, there should be something in not, your GPS not off, road. Off, trail. Off, trail. off trail. Sorry, it's all, on trail. <laughs> it's all off road. <laughs> uh, if you go, if you if you start going in circles, there should be something in your GPS that automatically cues up uh, eastbound and down or Benny Hill music I think, <laughs> while you're trying to find your way. That's all you should be allowed to listen oh, to. Oh man,
1: it would be a nice distraction. <laughs> i I remember me and my buddy. We went to Moab, and we just oh no, it was our first day. Like we were renting a jeep. Yeah, because we're you know we're from two thirds the way across the country. So it was like late in the afternoon, and we're like, "Well, we'll just go do fins and things." It's it's like a really easy, like it's it's cool, but it's pretty easy. It's just outside town, um, and we got to this point, and we were wait, I think we were in January, mm-hmm. so like any of the the trail markings, all the paint is like half worn off. The sun's going down, and we just got to this point where basically you. you it's just a figure eight, the, the trail. You go down, you do yeah. a couple off, obstacles, you come back and you hit the other way. Yeah. And we just got so turned around. We probably spent a half hour, 45 minutes just trying to figure out which way <laughs> to go. Oh man, it's the su- simplest, stupidest thing to do wrong. Sure. And it's just so stressful sure. when, when you're out there. It's like, oh my God. The sun's going down. You don't have like crazy lights and stuff. It's just
0: like the glow worms that Jeep gives you for headlights. It's an awesome thing. I mean, and, and of course, we again we, we are spoiled in the U.S. for having such you know great widespread access to that kind of that kind of lifestyle. If you wanted, I mean, really, mm-hmm. there's there's nothing. You don't have to be part of a club. You don't have yeah. to. You know. But
1: I think way back when you had asked the question of which I would do, if I could. I mean, really, my big like, I just like to go out and mm-hmm. explore. I mean, yeah, big obstacles are fun. But for me, like I just like to, I come from a backpacking background, mm-hmm. so for me it's just I want to throw my gear in the back of my jeep Yeah. and, and just just go and see where it, you end up and just yeah. get to this cool campsite. I think they call that overlanding now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it that kind of stuff
0: used to be camping.
1: Yeah, and and, I, and I'm not big into like they got some cool rigs and they got like really cool like, rooftop tents and yeah fridges and anything you could possibly imagine and I don't know. I I like, I live by, not, I don't live by it. I'm fond of the mantra of less is more. Mm -hmm. You know, and and a lot of things, less is
0: more. Now, as long as we're on the the four wheel drive uh, tangent here, and and we are definitely, uh, we're definitely fender deep in it, I'd say, (laughs) uh, in four low. uh, We don't want to forget about the British contingent, um, Land Rovers. Uh, Love them. Not a fan. Don't have to be a fan of them. Still respect them um, because I, I was going to follow that up with one of the things that that I was a fan of, and I remember watching this on uh, TV a couple of times. It certainly wasn't something that you could expect to come on like a any kind of regular programming. But I was lucky enough to catch a little you know highlight segment of the Camel Trophy uh, oh. when I was a kid, and I always thought that was just uh, the pinnacle of you know like adventuring and yeah. getting out because that really was. You know, it was not so much. It was not so much. You know, doing it in a certain amount of time, or or or, or doing it in a certain under a certain set of conditions. It was just being able to finish Dude. it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you were regularly, you know, you're watching cars, just, just trucks, just falling off cliffs and yeah, you know, just disappearing in rivers. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: to bring it back locally. I mean, locally as in the U.S. King of the Hammers. Yeah, that is just the. The coolest thing. It's like I want to get out there. I want to see it. I would love to do it. Um, but yeah, if you don't know what that is, Google it. it it's awesome. It, it's. They say it's like the hardest one-day off-road race in the world. You know,
0: I think the attrition rate is something like eighty percent or something like that. He's, you know, ladies and gentlemen, he is cheek in hand, wistfully staring at him, eyes glazing over. I can tell it, it is once uh, it is infatuation. Um, no, it, it, it,
1: they get the coolest toys, they really yeah. do, you know, it, it's, it's like a, I don't, what do they call them, Ultra 44 rig, I think they call them, mm-hmm. it. it's, uh, it's like a cross between a high speed trophy truck running across the desert mm-hmm. and a rock crawler, mm-hmm. like a, a two buggy rock crawler, because they got to do the same thing, it, it's it's like three laps, and they're all Johnson Valley, state park, we'll preserve, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it's just in the middle of the desert with a bunch of mountains and rocks and shit. Sure. And it, it's like two or three laps. The first lap is like 120 miles, you know, across the desert, dry lake beds and stuff. And then yeah. you a 120, 130. And then they they just stop and it's just rocks. Like, if you wanted to walk over these rocks, you're scrambling. Like three points of contact, you're scrambled. I mean, it's just like a landslide. Like the mountain exploded, (laughs) slid down, and you're trying to... It's literally like you're trying to crawl over the rubble of a landslide. It's really what it looks like. And these guys, I mean, they they just... they hammer through, and the abuse, these things go, and guys break down, and they just, you know, they literally crawl over the car or the, mm-hmm. the rig mm-hmm. broken down in front of them it, it, it's just the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I mean you see some of these obstacles and like people stand next to them to give them scale and the tires have dug out a 3 foot hole in front of the rock face and they stand in the bottom of the hole and the top of it is 2 3 feet over their head <laughs> and these things come in with their 40 inch tires and I mean and they're unlimited like there are a few basic safety rules mm-hmm. That they have to follow, like fire suppression, and mm-hmm. any engine you want to run, any suspension you want to run, uh, anything you w- it
0: has to be a DOT rated tire. Yeah. Um, other than that, anything you want to do. Those are definitely the new. Those are definitely new vehicles to the scene, or I should say, they're relatively that type of. That type of extreme rock crawling rig is a is a relatively mm. new vehicle to the same it's Where like
1: a, ten years old, twelve years old, the, something the, like that.
0: the axle art- there's no point in having a body because the axle articulation is just well you know, it's it's, a, it's ridiculous a, it's two and, body and yeah exactly
1: that's all it is there's it, barely it, any sheet metal because it's just going to get the really the sheet metal is just there to keep the rock from hitting the the driver mm-hmm. as they're driving that's mm-hmm. really all it's there for yeah um but yeah it it's really like how. NHRA drag racing, maybe even stock car racing was during like the fifties and sixties where they sure, were just sure they Before was, There was a cup chassis. There was a steel steel the, the experimentation. Yeah, it, it, it's Doing whatever you can do to get that edge over your competitor, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying different things and, and designing it differently And mm-hmm. you know and eventually come out with a funny car. Yeah You know and because it, it worked and the same thing over here now you get like the, the cab the forward cab um buggies that they're making and oh, stuff, yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're, it's they're, nuts they're awesome yeah
0: it's nuts and and of course you know we um, the, the, that again is 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 such a it's such an american thing you know because I really do think that there are plenty of people in in uh sub saharan africa and in places you know asia inaccessible places who uh, consider a um mercedes g wagon or a mm-hmm. land Rover or something that that is the pinnacle of off road capability because that 's what they live in you know they live yeah. on the surface of the moon kind of environment where there are no roads versus you know here where we you know are are trying to our vehicles are going in places where you can't make a road yeah you where know, our four wheel drives are uh, advanced you know i mean are you talking? Like something that can crawl uh, over I mean, a rock that is of, taller than you are. I mean, so you're not talking.
1: But see, you're you're comparing a production vehicle with a race car. Exactly. I'm saying that <laughs> we
0: we in in this country, you know, we we build those kind of rigs, and the U S. is known for those, for those. Just
1: because I want to do that,
0: I'm going to build it. I'm going to drive okay. over that rock. I, I Nothing is going to yeah, stop yeah, me because yeah. yeah, you know, I've got a welder in my garage, and let's do it. Yeah. You know, I, and I, and again, that was something that when I was reading Peterson's and. You know, those those kind of builds were almost impossible because you just didn't have you, know, you didn't have the technology for, for oh, yeah. the little guy to have a, you know, home yeah. tooling for we're just that pipe kind of bending. Thing. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: a simple pipe bending that we, you know, I don't want to say take for granted, but you can go to Harbor Freight and get a $150 pipe bender. It's probably break the first time you use it, but you you, <laughs> you can get most of an angle out of it. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean the technology now is makes so much possible cheap. Yeah. And most of those rigs, they're hand-built by
0: individual... Exactly. It's a, it's a hobby thing. You don't have to go to a team, like a race it's, shop, You know, and it's buy it. A... It's
1: quickly getting to the point where it'll be out of the reach of you and me. Oh, you think so? We can still do it. They have, I think it's the Everyman Challenge. Uh-huh. It's basically you and me, we take a Jeep or a Land Cruiser or something. We modify it within the... the there are more rules for that, but we get the rule book. We can build it. You're still gonna spend thirty to fifty thousand dollars. Sure. Yeah. Excluding purchase cost of the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So it's still attainable in that regard. But those Ultra Forty Fours, I mean, just the chassis, uh, to be competitive, you, you can do it cheaper, but to be competitive, you're gonna I think they say they're anywhere from a hundred to like two hundred and twenty thousand dollars to build those those trucks. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's quickly gone the realm of every other Racing and you need sponsorship, yeah, to be competitive and do it, you need sponsorship, which i mean that that's the big downfall to most racing, yeah, you know it it's as cool as it is, it starts out grassroots and it quickly just takes off and is out mm-hmm. of the the realm of most
0: people it is funny that you know when you when you talk to to I think a lot of race fans these days who you know who follow. Follow racing. They, there's a, a there's a lot more respect for those kind of smaller series, you know, circle track series and the, the small little road racing series. Mm-hmm. Because of that, what you just said, you know, they, they, we kind of been we're kind of uh, um, uh, overfed on this ultra high tech world of motorsport and, yeah. and track racing, where it's just the the budgets are beyond imagination now, and and there's a lot of respect for yeah. the guys that are just you know, just going out with cars they have built yeah. and there's not, the, the money isn't there, but you can be competitive and, and, yeah. you know, just based on what you, what you've built in your garage.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Don Schumacher racing, mm-hmm. the NHRA. They have like 12 rigs that mm-hmm. go to each race and, and, you know, their, their home, uh, base is Indianapolis, mm-hmm. middle of the country, more or less to get from there. Get their whole fleet to Pomona, California, for the first race of the year. They spend $45,000 in diesel just to get there. (laughs) Then, each round of racing. So, you got four rounds of qualifying. Uh If you win, it's another four rounds of competition. So, Uh you have eight rounds. It's something like $15,000 a round. If nothing breaks. Yeah, sure. So, bare minimum, you're... You know, whatever the hell that is. The stat sheets are unbelievable. There's, there's yeah. one about, you know, if you're a top then,
0: fuel team. But then, team.
1: you do those eight rounds, you spend your up team, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars whatever. If you win, you get $50,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. doesn't even co- cover the cost of the diesel to get there. Never mind what broke, because
0: stuff always breaks. Yeah. You know, it, it's... And that brings up a good point. I think a lot of racing, you know, it used to be... it It, it used to be you know, a bunch of guys out for a big prize. And now it's, the prize money just doesn't add no. up anymore for a lot of those big series. No, it's I the, think you're wrong on that. It's the sponsorship dollars that fuel the you know, the actual competition. And, and, and that's the only reason they exist is the sponsorship. Um, I think you're wrong.
1: Back in the day, like, you know, what was it, Donna Snake, Padome, mm-hmm. and then who who did he always go with? Who's the other guy in that? I can't, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway. Don Garlis. Yeah, is that who it was? Swamp Dad? Uh, uh, big Daddy? Yeah. Maybe it was him. Anyway, it was like these two guys. Um, they were like the big stars. Yeah. You know? And they would go around and they would just race. Like, I mean, they race a couple times a week. Sure. And they made, even if they won, they made just enough to eat, fuel up the, the, the haulers you know and back then it was like a sure 350 sure you know rent truck you know it wasn't sure. anything like they have today you know i mean they they literally lived paycheck to paycheck and they did that they they made enough to fix the cars to keep them running fuel up the hauler put puts the food in their stomach yeah you know, gas in the tank and that
0: was before drag racing incredibly caught on in popularity i think you know a lot of it it used to live in nascar's shadow at least in the southeast for a long time because that was so much more yeah widely is, shown on tv this is going back before even NASCAR was
1: big on TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, racing wasn't big on TV back then. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was grassroots stuff. And yeah. I mean, they raced all over the country. You know. Yeah.
0: But yeah, to say that they they did it for big purses, that's not true. You know, it, they did it because they loved it. Well, my point was that the the purse money now it just you know they're, they're, why even have it? You know, because it's oh, you know, especially if you're a professional team. There's there's yeah you know it's 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 just a it's a schedule it's an operation like any other business yeah. you know it's it's racing incorporated yeah um and I, that's why I, you know i i still love going to uh to, to track days and amateur you know small events mm-hmm. if you've never if, if folks out there if you've never been to a an entry level volkswagen uh factory sponsor, I think they used to do it with polos or something, but the little little tiny diesel Touring car road racing they have yeah. it's unbelievable <laughs> because they they let the guys just turn them loose. I'm looking forward to
1: to going to some local drag strips around here. Oh, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to doing that this year because, it's, like I said, the only local drag strip in New England that I know about is Epping, and mm-hmm. for me, it, it's a hour and a half drive. Yeah, you know. So and there's so
0: many, you know, the, the uh, there's so many of that there's so much of that scene that is kind of tapering. I think. Uh, now, in the face of of increasingly professional motorsport, um, uh, there was that the drag strip in New Jersey that closed a couple of years ago. I can't remember which raceway one it was. park. Yeah, raceway park. Style. I mean, um, that's that is where I got my exposure to racing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, I remember. Well, my, my, certainly my my parents remember going to the Marlboro Track in in Maryland. There used to be a little road course mm-hmm. there, and there was uh, uh, you know, when when I was growing up, uh, VIR was not uh, a, a a functioning. Uh, facility, but now of course it's it's this massive resort that hosts all these professional rounds. Whereas Summit Point in in up in West Virginia is still very much a small uh, facility, and and it has some some build up around it, but it's not anything like a Sonoma yeah, yeah. or a, you know a, a Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's yeah. just, it's not even close. And I think that that so much of the so much of the professional racing now is you know seen as uh, it's inexpensive you know, it's expensive and there's no way around it, you know, um, but, but it, it's, it's gotten to the point where these huge
1: racing bodies, they're getting crushed into their own weight. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. It, it, it's so expensive to do it and they're so dependent on sponsorships. Um, I think this year could be wrong. I think I read Leah Pritchett. She's not going to be in Pomona oh, in, really? in, in next month for the first race of the year. I think she's, she's not going to be there. I could be wrong on mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, I mean, you always see these professional racers, they don't show up because they don't have a sponsor for that race. Yeah. They're scrambling behind the scenes
0: to try to find someone to cover. Yeah. And you know? I, 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 on the same token, I, and, and from my, from, the, from the, the fog banks of my fuzzy memory, there, there was something about uh, NASCAR is going to run two title sponsors uh, this year, maybe, if they can't find someone yeah. willing to sponsor the whole season. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it is real, kind of like what, what's going to cause the bottom to fall out. Mm. Um, and I really would, you know, that, that that's one of those things that I, I think you, we could spend a whole hour on just yeah. talking about when this sort of, when is the crux coming where, where racing the correction is going to come? And
1: yeah, it, it, it. I, I think it's happening slowly, mm-hmm. but I, I think they're finding trying to find ways to do things cheaper. Yeah. Um, but even you know, back to drag racing. Again, I watched some video and they were touring at like, the engine room too. You know one of these race shops, and they were saying they're the the crankshaft you know it's made of like unobtainium, whatever the <laughs> hell it is it's it, 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 it's super hard stuff it's the and, bones of a griffin yeah and, and when it they were doing like eight to ten thousand horsepower or whatever you know they they could get ten runs out of the thing yeah or whatever yeah, and now that they're doing eleven, twelve thousand, they they get like four or five runs out of it you know <laughs> and these things cost like twenty thousand dollars a pop yeah you know so as they in their pursuit for speed they're killing themselves yeah you know they're shooting themselves in the foot because it, it it's that much more stress on all their parts sure sure you know that they're, they're um the bodies uh, for a funny car you know when it was fiberglass yeah it weighed 400 pounds but it costs 1500 bucks to make. Yeah. Now it weighs 100 pounds and costs $5,000 to make. Sure. So sure. It, it's just, everything is, it's faster, it's better, it's stronger, it's lighter, but it's 10 times the cost. Yeah. You know, it's just, make it, just make it simpler.
0: And as much as I love the idea of the, the turn it loose, kind of let's see what it'll do, race, you know, the approach to racing, Uh, I really, you know, I think if it's it's not financially feasible, what's the point? Exactly, if it's not accessible, you know, people aren't going to like it. Yeah, it's not—it's
1: not not that it's accessible. I mean, that level, nothing is accessible about it. It, You know, that's the upper echelon. I mean, we'll never attain that. But let's face it: race, professional racing, is a business. mm -hmm. If it's not financially sustainable,
0: if you can't afford to do it.
1: What's the point of doing it? Yeah, and I you know?
0: and we're starting to see that I think in, in NASCAR where the the ticket sales just aren't there. You know, the TV audience just isn't there, and they're I scrambling. Still, I've been saying this for years. I used to be a NASCAR grown
1: up as a kid. I was in, I love NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Now it's a freight train. Yeah, they're so aerodynamically dependent they can't pass. Mm-hmm. I still say you want to fix NASCAR, go back to like early '90s, late '80s, square body. You know. Or even go back farther and actually make a production vehicle. Mm-hmm. Take a Mustang, take a Challenger, take a Supra. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the Camry's in there, but whatever. <laughs> take those, put a roll cage in them and go. Yeah, That could save it. But if you want to keep it the way it is, go back to square body. Even go with a little smaller of an engine, whatever. Yeah. Get rid of that restrictor plate. You know, because that's when they they really start having trouble. Yeah. Because you wanted to be the second dude in line on the second to last lap, and then you had all the power because you were drafting. Yeah. Go back to that style of racing, and guys will be able to move and shake, and it'll be interesting. Yeah. And it won't be 499 and a half laps <laughs> of same you know, name thing. Yeah, Billy Joe in the in the front, and then on that you know turn two or four. The guy behind just starts going side to side, no forward progress, just side to side, and then that's
0: called the slingshot, man. You can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you do. You get rid of that crap, you fix it. I, I'm 100 percent with you, and and of course that is possible now, where you can take a Mustang, you can take the, you can take those cars and and race them, and yeah. and of course remember that when I was when you and I were you and I were kids. There was no way to make a Chevy Lumina into a, into a race car you know that was just wasn 't even possible yeah. because GM just did there was nothing there was no impetus for them to make anything to make a road car anything like I, what we have now my no,
1: I, I disagree with you one hundred percent because if, if they could take a production vehicle in the 1960s and '70s. And they can go whipping around a speedway. <laughs> they can do that here,
0: you know. Yeah, they they can do it. Oh, I said so they, they can do it now, sound. but they couldn't do it in '96 when you know your no, choices could. were Illumina or they still a had Monte a, Carlo. They still had a Camaro. Well, that but they wouldn't. That wasn't on the NASCAR circuit, though. I mean, the, back in the '90s, there was the, they raced the Monte car. Carlo body. That's their fast going car.
1: Put a Corvette in there. I don't care. <laughs> but for some reason, NASCAR got in their head. Everything has to be the same. Yeah, yeah. That's not stock. A, you know, a Mustang and a Challenger meet up on a road. They're not the same. Who the hell cares? Yeah. You know, when they the they always love to go back to the glory days of the foundation of you know rum runners and and you know whipping around on beaches. They weren't all the same. Yeah. It was who had the better car. Yeah. It, it's you know the the corporate side good muddied up and, but it, that's, you want to save NASCAR? P- literal production cars. Get, we're, ta- we're, tapping,
0: we're tapping fingers on desks, folks. We're getting serious around here. We are getting serious. We're also getting towards the end of our episode, so our, uh, our, our pent-up rage is going to have to wait until next time. Thank you all so much for listening. Take it easy.